0: Okay, get ready for lots of ideas to use right away in your classroom. This is the fifth Teacher Toolbox episode. I hear from listeners all the time that they like actionable tips and suggestions for activities that they can use with their students next week or even tomorrow or today if you're listening to this on the way to school. That usually means effective and beneficial but somewhat minimal prep as well. That's what I bring you in these Teacher Toolbox episodes and today I have lots to share with you. So let's jump in. Hello my friends, bonjour mes amis, hola mis amigos, welcome to the World Language Classroom Podcast. I am Joshua Cabral and I have to always start by saying thank you so much for taking the time out of your week to listen to a podcast about language teaching. It's just one of the things that makes you an incredible educator as you look for ideas to help enhance your teaching or to remind you or reinforce and reinvigorate what you're already doing in your classroom. So thank you so much for making this a part of your weekly routine and your teaching. So as I said in the intro, this is a teacher toolbox episode, and this is the episodes where I like to bring you activities that you can do right away in your classroom. You can try it out tomorrow, maybe next week. You can see exactly where it's going to fit into a particular unit that you're doing. Whatever that is, these are really concrete activities you can be doing, taking it out of the world of theory, and just say, yes, try this out in your classroom. So this time of year in the fall, we are in what I often refer to as conference season because there are a lot of state conferences for language teachers happening. We have Actful that happens in November. And so I am involved in a couple of these language conferences this year. And I always look forward to them because I love supporting our local conferences as well as our regional and national conference at Actful. But more recently, I was able to do two workshops at the MAFLA conference, and that is my state conference in Massachusetts for language teachers. And at the MAFLA conference, I actually had the opportunity to record a live podcast episode in the exhibit hall. And in that episode, I speak with Timothy Chavez and that will be next week's episode. So you can hear that and the excitement of doing that with an audience there and people listening. So make sure that you tune in next week for that particular episode. So one of my workshops was called, Sorry, Not Sorry, But They Will Keep Asking. So this whole idea was these are activities that you'll want to try with your students and they will keep asking to do them because they really like them, they enjoy them, and they want to do them all the time. And so that's why I titled it Sorry, Not Sorry, but They Will Keep Asking. So I was telling teachers in the description of this workshop to embrace that request of can we play a game and they would in this workshop discover 10 activities that can be easily adapted to any language or level and they would fill their teacher toolbox with ways to engage students enthusiastically with the target language in all of the modes And as I was putting this together throughout the early weeks and months of the school year, I was talking to my students about it, and I told them that I was going to be doing this workshop called Sorry Not Sorry about activities we do in the classroom, and I had said that we do 10 activities, and as we went through the fall, students kept asking when we would do things, oh, is this going to be in your workshop? Is this going to be in your workshop? Oh, this one should totally be in your workshop, and some of them were, but some of them weren't, so even though in the description I said 10 activities, when I actually got to do it at the conference, it ended up being 15 activities because there were some that my students just said, you have to include this one. So as a loyal listener of this podcast, I want to bring all of these activities to you as well. So the way I'm going to do this is to talk to you about the three different modes because I broke it down into the three modes of presentational, interpersonal, and interpretive with different activities to do in each mode. And you can sometimes use them for the different modes, but it was just the easiest way to break it all down. Um, But just know that all of these activities, even though they might seem like fun and games sometimes and the students do love them, that they are backed and supported by the theory that we always talk about. It's getting students to engage with the language in authentic ways. So just be aware that even though students are saying, oh yes, it's a game or something, that we really have honed them to make sure that they are responding to the different communication modes. And I'm going to go through each one of these 15 rather quickly here just to give you a taste of what they are. But there is a link in the show notes that is to the document that I actually shared out with all of the workshop participants that has links to all of my individual blog posts that show the way to go about them in much more detail than I will get into right now. And they also have a lot of visuals and a lot of examples to really help you see that. So what I would say is for our purpose here is to listen to what the different activities are, see which ones might intrigue you, and then look into that. And what you might also want to do is just make a copy of the Google Doc that I'm going to share in the show notes that has links to all of these activities, and just keep it on your computer, keep it in your Google Drive, and then you can go back to it and link back to it and say, oh, there's that activity, maybe I could use that now. So just sort of keep it as a resource. And within some of the blog posts, there are templates that you can download so you can make them your own, and in some cases, there are completely ready-made activities that you can also access. So just keep it there and you can be able to go back to it. So let's start with the interpersonal. And the first interpersonal activity is Quiz Quiz Trade. I've talked about this in the past, I'll probably do another full episode on it because it's so useful. But with this, students engage with each other with a short interpersonal task that involves a question. And so they go up to a student, they ask a question, they get an answer, they exchange answers, they each have a different prompt. When they're done, they exchange and then they move on and find a new person. And they just continue doing this, and I involve myself in it as the teacher. So I have some one-on-one with each student. So it's very adaptable to any proficiency level because you can just change out the prompts. So in the blog post on Quiz Quiz Trade, I give you some really specific ways to set it up and then some follow-up activities as well. So check that out in the link. The next one for interpersonal is what I call cards with the secret card. And this just requires a deck of playing cards. So you can do this in different ways, but the way that I typically do it is I break students up into groups of three or four, so they're their own team, and they answer questions in groups. And they can be on any topic that you're doing. They could be on something you're reading. They could be something more concrete. Depends on the proficiency level. And they get a card if their answer is correct. And that's what their points are, whatever the point number is on the card, regular Deck of playing cards. Ace is one, and then there's two through 10, and then I do 11 through 13 for the Jack, Queen, and King. And then the idea of the secret card is at the very end, I have pre selected a card and written it down somewhere else and that card is worth an extra 30 points so at the end when they all put their cards together and they figure out what is their total if they have that secret card they get extra points and sometimes that puts them over the top and they're able to win the reason i really like this is essentially it is no prep at all if you create the questions on the spot which many times we can do It's a game that students really like, so check out the link for that and you can see some examples of what that would look like and how to manage some of that in the classroom. The next one for interpersonal is what I call Who Is It?, and this is using Google Slides and one of my Bitmoji classrooms, and this was a takeaway from the days of being remote when we all had our Bitmoji classrooms, and I just have this set up as sort of a guessing game for students. So there are three different slides. The first one is guess the person. So there's a door, and there's a person behind the door, and the students can't see who it is yet, and they just keep asking questions using all the language they have, trying to figure out who that person is. You can make it fiction. You can make it a real person doesn't matter can be absolutely anything but students are trying to figure out in usually about 15 to 20 questions who that person is and they don't have to be yes or no questions they can be any kind of questions but it's really to give them an opportunity to ask those questions Then there's a slide where there is a box in the middle of the page and there is an object inside the box and they're trying to figure out what it is. And then there's a slide where they're trying to guess where we are, where there's a window and there's a picture outside the window of a country somewhere and they're trying to figure out by asking questions and what they see in there what it is. And so for these, I have the animation set up that when they guess the person, I click and the door disappears and they see the person or the box disappears and they see what's inside. So it is a takeaway from the days of during the pandemic when we were remote, but the students enjoyed it so much. And it's such a wonderfully like low risk opportunity for them to be asking lots of questions on a regular basis. It's a great class starter. And the blog post for that has some pictures so you can see exactly what that Bitmoji classroom looks like. The next one is chat stations for our interpersonal. And this is from Jennifer Gonzalez at the Cult of Pedagogy. And I have adapted it to use in the language classroom. But essentially you're setting up stations around the room and the prompts are all around the room and you put the students in groups of two or three and they go to each one of these stations and they complete a speaking task. Now these could be pictures, they could be an excerpt of something that you're reading, they could be an ad, they could be a social media post, it can be absolutely anything. But the idea is that they're going to spend about two to three minutes at each one and then they're going to rotate to the next station. So you have as many stations as you need so that students can rotate to maybe five or six uh, throughout the class depending on the number of students you have and in the blog post about chat stations you can see some examples of what that looks like some of the prompts that you might give and then some of the follow-up activities so great idea for the classroom and that's thanks to jennifer gonzalez at the cult of pedagogy And then the last interpersonal is what I call zut o caramba, and those are the French and Spanish words for sort of shucks or darn it or something like that. And this can be done as a whole class with small groups where each group is working against the other groups or competing against the other groups, or you can have students working in groups of four to five individually. And the way this works is you have a bag or a hat, usually a bag works best, they can't see inside, and within there you have prompts on cards and students pull them out and they complete the prompt. Again, that depends on whatever you're doing in that unit. It could be something as simple for novice as identifying an object or describing an object that it's a picture of. Or for more advanced students, it could be a character in a story that they have to say something about, or it could be a word that comes up in an article that you're reading about the environment or about oceanography, it could be anything that you happen to be studying, and they have to say something about it in terms of what's happening in that unit. And then they keep that prompt. And that is their card. And that's one of their points And the bag keeps going around. But if they pull out a zoot or caramba, or whatever the word for, you know, shucks or darn it is in your language, if they pull that out, they have to put all their cards back in, including that bad card. And so as the bag keeps going around, it's constantly changing points. And I usually do this with about 35 prompt cards and maybe five or six of the cards that when they pull it, they have to put them all back in. Uh, but you can see in the blog post for that some examples of what that looks like and some ready-made examples that you can just access right away to use in your classroom so those are all the interpersonal and now we have some of the interpretive and the first one is jump and that's where I get my sorry not sorry from because this is the one thing your students will continue to ask to play in your classroom requires absolutely no prep and they will do it all day every single day they start by standing in a circle and you stand in the middle with a ball or something that you can throw to the students and you predetermine what the prompt is like they will jump when they hear this like so this purpose will say it's colors. So you throw the ball to a student and you say a word if it's a color, it's the two students standing on either side of the student that catches the ball that jump. And whoever jumps first stays in, and then the other student sits. Now, the person who receives the ball does not jump. But if the category is colors, and I throw it and I say chair, nobody should jump. If somebody does jump, then they're out. So that is a very novice way of looking at it in terms of this interpretive activity. But you could do it all the way up to if you're reading a story, and you say something that happens in the story, and if it's true, they jump, and if it's not, they don't jump. Or you could do it with verb tenses that they only jump if it's in the past or in the present or the future. So there are different ways to do it that can move outside of the novice area. But you can also ask your students once they know how to play it. They'll come up with different ways of doing the prompts. And even when you're learning something new or on a new topic, they'll say, oh, this would be great for Playing jump, We could do it and do it this way and they will have their examples for it because again sorry not sorry but they're going to want to play this all the time. The next one for interpretive is what I call let's go and this is also done on Google Slides you could also do it on PowerPoint. And so you have prompts on the slides or you can just have numbers which is going to be what the points are in the game. So after every couple of slides with the prompts and or numbers you're going to want to have a Zoot Karamba slide. So after every three slides or then you do every two slides or maybe after ten slides you want to intersperse in some Zoot Karamba slides. Those are the bad slides, the ones the students don't want to get. So again I would do this in group So students are competing against each other as maybe four or five groups within the class, maybe six groups within the class, depending on the numbers that you have. But students look at the slide and they perform the prompt. Um, If it is just a number, that means the points they're going to get for answering that slide. And you just make it up on the spot, whatever that is, and it's truly interpretive. Or it could be an image on the slide, or it could be a word on the slide, depends on the time that you wanna take to put into it. I find it's just easier to put the numbers on the slide and that's the points they're gonna get if they respond correctly. So here is where it gets tricky for students is because they can decide to let's go on to the next slide when it's their group's turn and when they move on they'll say oh good it's a three that means that's up to three points so they get their prompt but sometimes when they decide to move on they're going to get the caramba zoot slide in that case they're going to lose all their points so when it's a group's turn they can decide whether or not to advance to the next slide and they can do that twice where they don't advance and they skip but then after they've done that twice in a game, they have no choice. They have to move on. And the greatest thing is when they decide to, you know, use one of their passes and they don't move on. And the next team says, yes, we will move on. And it ends up being the Zoot slide. the team that had decided to not move on. They're so excited that they were able to keep their points. So, again, something you can do in the moment. But you can see examples of it with prompts and getting really specific in the link to Let's Go. The next game for interpretive is what I call Guess Who, and this is a whole class activity. And the first thing you do is you choose five students and you give them two pictures. I usually do this in a folder with the pictures inside the folder so they can stand in the front of the room and they can look in the folder but nobody else can see in it. So the rest of the class has to ask questions to figure out who has which pictures. So they have a grid that has the 10 pictures across the top and then they write down the five students names that are at the front of the room along the left hand side and then As you go around the room and students are asking questions, I usually just go in order. Everyone has to be listening to what the answers are because they're able to do that as a process of elimination as they're listening to everyone else's answers. And then in the end, uh, you'll end up figuring out each person what they have, which objects they have, that's the novice way of looking at it. You could have pictures that are indicating different times, and you could be asking questions in the past, you can be asking questions in the future, you could be asking questions and students have to respond using a pronoun. So there's lots of different ways to do it, but the idea is everyone's listening to everyone's questions so that they can figure it out. And the last interpretive is logic puzzles. And you may have likely seen these in bookstores and students like to do these where they are reading clues and keeping track of the information to figure out the responses in the end. So this is similar to Guess Who that I just talked about with the whole class and asking questions and listening, but this is done individually and with reading. And in the blog post for logic puzzles, I actually have a template where you can create your own because I figured out exactly how to do each sentence, and you can change out the details. And there are lots of different versions of it, so you. You can use it multiple times with students and they won't have figured it out but I spent a bunch of time last year trying to figure out what the quote-unquote equation would be for each of the sentences so that in the end the students would have all the information so you will have the template uh, to create that in the logic puzzles blog post and then the last category is presentational and this can be presentational writing or presentational speaking and sometimes we are a little more challenged to find presentational speaking tasks. Presentational writing, uh, I think we're getting pretty good at that. But one way of doing presentational speaking, which is prepared speaking in advance, is doing a pecha kucha. And this is done with PowerPoint slides or Google slides. Pecha kucha means chit chat in Japanese. And with this, students create a presentation with precisely 20 slides, and each one lasts 20 seconds. Now, you can adapt this to the proficiency level. When I do this with Novice, I do five slides, 10 seconds, or you can do 10 slides, 10 seconds, or you can do 10 slides, 15 seconds. But the idea is that it's just pictures on the slide on a theme that students have chosen or that you've given to students and they speak about it. So there are no words on the slide, there are no note cards, but it's a theme that they have chosen. Now you can work up to 20 slides and 20 seconds each, but that's over six minutes for each one, so it can be a little timely in the classroom. And you could do this as a presentation for the entire class. Or you could have students do it in small groups where they're not presenting to the whole class that way. But in the blog post, you can see some specific examples and what it could look like at each of the proficiency levels. The next one for presentational, and this would be more presentational writing, is to use do nows and exit tickets. So do nows are something you're going to have students do in writing for three to five minutes at the beginning of the class to sort of set the tone get them ready, give them some ideas to be thinking about. And then exit tickets are what they're doing to leave the classroom and they're handing to you as their ticket out. And so these are effective ways to prepare students for what's to come and also to get formative feedback at the end of class. And also at the door, sometimes I don't do it as written. I will do it as a spoken Uh, verbal exit ticket where I'll just quickly ask a question and they'll give me an answer as they're leaving. But at any rate, they're both really good for formative to make sure we know where students are. So the next one for presentational, this would be presentational speaking. And this is what I call shipwreck, and it's done in groups of two or three. And students have one piece of paper that has a grid with prompts on it. And you can have 80 to 100 boxes in the grid. So they all have a different prompt It can be a picture, it can be a word, it can be a verb form, it can be anything. So students begin by choosing a box and they complete the prompt either in speaking or writing. And again, if it's novice level, they're just identifying a picture. If it is more advanced level, it could be a word that involves some sort of topic that you've been talking about and they have to use it in a sentence. But the idea is they want to get three of these boxes in a row. That is their color that they're coloring in. And when they get three in a row, they get a point. Now the other players can be trying to get their own points, but also blocking the other players from getting their own as well. This is another one they love to go back to and play all the time. And then the next one is the card path. And for this, you're going to set up a grid again, but it is going to have the card suits on the top, so your hearts, diamonds, et cetera, across the top. And then down the side, you'll have ace through king. So you have a lot of boxes in there that you can put prompts on. So what I have students do is they get a deck of cards within a group of, say, four, and they can create any kind of path they want using all the cards in the deck. So this can be done in a spiral, it can be one long path, it could be a box, it could be anything they want. But once the cards are all laid down with an obvious beginning and end, students roll a die and then they move that number of spaces, that number of cards, with some sort of little token that they're using as their playing piece. And wherever they land, that card is going to correspond to a box on the card path grid that i talked about earlier so say they land on the three of hearts so they will go to the hearts column look for the number three and they see oh it's a picture of a pencil say if it's a novice level class and they identify the pencil then the next person rolls and they keep going and then the first person to get to the end will be the winner But this could be at the novice level, just pictures as you go up through the different proficiency levels, you can get more complicated with all the other ideas that we had talked about for all the other ideas as well. And then the second to last one, we're almost there, this one for presentational, is time capsules. And I do this on Google Slides, but you could also draw on PowerPoint. And so what I do is I provide students with some prompts for each slide at the end of the school year. So they're looking back at their school year, everything done in the last year of their life, And some things are a movie that they saw, a book that they read, a game that they played, a place that they went, a person that they met, just all these different things, food that they liked, a restaurant, somebody in their family who did something interesting. So there are about 10 slides and they put a picture in it to represent that prompt and then you do things at the proficiency level. So for novice level students, I just have them write two to three sentences right on the slide with the picture, saying who it is, what it is, what they're doing, something about their year. Now, I call it time capsules because for my more advanced students, they do something similar, but when they write, they say, oh, okay, we're looking at this time capsule in 50 years. So now they're talking about the movie that they saw and the person that they met and the thing that they did. And then sometimes I'll have them look even further out and say it's 100 years from now, and you're representative of what kids always did during that time. And so you're talking about, oh, this is the types of movies that people would go to the movies to see, or these are the games that they played. So you can see that by putting the prompt on, differently you can use sort of the preterite simple past or go into using the imperfect so That is time capsules. And then the last one is the die decides. Now this is another sorry, not sorry. Students want to play this all the time and they get so focused on accurate writing. So to do this, um, I usually have students work in groups of two and there's a template in the blog post for five or six different languages to do this in. But the first thing is students roll a die and they get a number. And so they write that number down. And then they respond to a prompt in writing. And then once they're done, everybody puts their pencils down. And then we verify the response. I usually write it on the board. And it usually has something particular that they need to be paying attention to. And if they got that correct, entirely correct, then they get the points they rolled at the beginning. And then they keep a running total because you move on to the second one. They roll first. They write verify they get it right they get the points and then it's added to their total and if they don't get it right they don't get those points so it gets really interesting because i keep it usually not really long sentences but something that they need to be very focused on maybe it's something with spelling or where accents are or some sort of agreement with verbs or adjectives or something so it's a way for them to really hone in and focus on those areas So there were a lot of activities I just told you about for your teacher toolbox, all those interpersonal, all those interpretive, and all those presentational. So be sure to check out the show notes where you will see the document that has the links to all of these activities. Take a look at a couple of them now. Keep that document so that you can go back to it and find all of these. And remember, in each blog post, there are explanations and visuals and templates and ready-made versions that you can access right from there. And while you're in the show notes, as always, make sure to sign up for Talking Points, my weekly email newsletter with tips and resources for language teaching. And there are also links to get in touch with me if you would like to work together, either in person, in your school, or remotely. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the World Language Classroom Podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so that you never miss an episode. Let's keep the conversation going on social media. Connect with me on X, aka Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at WL Classroom. And for even more valuable resources, visit my website, WLClassroom.com, where you'll find over 300 blog posts about language teaching. So stay inspired, keep growing, and continue making a difference in your language classroom.